Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk. I hope you guys are keeping well and doing amazing today. So before I start today's episode, I wanted to start off with a quick disclaimer. I personally love raising awareness about mental health and mental illness and self-love. But to be honest, I'm terrified because I'm going to be talking about a topic that society considers a taboo and something that society doesn't really like talking about. So just take a moment to remember your friends or people you see at your university. And chances are out of the three closest people to you, one of them may be suffering from mental illness. This is why today I invited Hannah Bloom, a writer and mental illness activist, to talk about mental health and ways in which we can end the stigma. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Oh, my gosh. Hi. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Of course. So, Hannah, if you could just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little more about your journey with mental health and how it has been for you so far. Yes. Um, so long story short, um, my name is Hannah Bloom and it started with my story. When I was in high school, my junior and senior year around the age of 17, 18, I began to um, feel the symptoms of bipolar disorder surfacing really like intensely. And I like had it, it what it seemed to be all together on the outside. You would have never known I was voted for queen. I was living like this movie thing. So on the outside, I looked fine, but I was completely turning upside down on the inside. And basically that continued. I didn't know what it was because I didn't know about mental health. Like you were talking about with the lack of awareness. I didn't know what mental illness was. And basically it came to a point when I was in my second year of college, I had been dropping in and out and long story short, I was involuntarily placed in a mental hospital. And basically what that means is I was taken under a judge, like the state basically, and I was taken like via cop car to a mental hospital. I was, did not commit a crime, anything like that. But because stigma is so intense, you can easily in the United States get thrown into a mental hospital. This is where I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. It turned out to be one of the experiences that, you know, completely changed my life in a beautiful way years later. Uh, and I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I left and, you know, tried to get back on what we deem as this normal road. It was an adventure, but something in my heart told me that activism and was where I was supposed to go and open up about my mental health. But again, because of the lack of awareness, doing that is a huge risk. When you have bipolar disorder and you come out publicly about it, the chances of you getting a job are very slim. But I felt it in me and I decided to become an activist and start opening up about my experience and about confronting, you know, years later about the social justice issues going on in the system, talking about my life, and then also utilizing my art because uh, I've always been a writer. It's been my outlet. And I felt like that was a good way to empower the community. And so, yeah, I mean, that's basically where I am. Like That now. is so inspiring. Tell me more about what was going through your mind when they told you that you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder? Did it come as a shock to you or were you like, wait, oh. what is happening? Oh my gosh. 
oh my gosh, I was completely shocked. Like, you know, when I think about it as a, as a kid and a teenager, if somebody had ever said to me, you will one day be diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I would have never in a million years. I didn't even know what it was. But when I sat down and they told me, my first reaction was no. Like I started laughing. Here I am in a mental hospital. Like I should have taken a clue at that point that something was going on. But I did not fit what I saw in the mirror, a person, you know, like a human to what I knew about mental illness, which is almost portrayed as these monsters. That's crazy. Yeah. So it was hard to connect with it because I'm like, wait a minute. You mean the people that I see in scary movies? You mean this? Like that can't be. But then after getting involved in stuff, I've learned that it's the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite. And when you did realize that you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder, what did you blame that illness to? Was it maybe fear, loneliness, not being accepted by others, or maybe that you were stuck up in the past? I didn't um, blame it for, like, I think the fact that I knew I was always different, even as a kid and coming up, I think the main thing was that there was nothing to blame. It's just always been there. I was born with it. This is how I was born. You know, I had bipolar. The way that I worked emotionally from the time, very empathetic, like highly sensitive, and it molded. It wasn't bad things, but there was clearly something different about the way that I learned and perceived things. And it turned into kind of emotional turmoil at one point. If I'm going to blame anything, I would say the fact that stigma is so bad. And it's really like stigma is a social justice thing. So even so, I think what I would blame is the fact that I had to keep it in for so long that it, I mean, it could have killed me. It kills people every single day when they have it and they can't open up about exactly. it. And I feel once you, you're living with that reality and you keep it in for so long, it honestly starts to take control of your mind right and I think in times like that it's so important for you to be openly honest with what you're feeling and kind of have those conversations for yourself was that easy for you just to have those raw truthful conversations with what you were feeling and with what you were going through at the time yeah so what's interesting is the way that I do communicate my pain is not always really sitting down with people and like talking about what's going on because I've been so accustomed to kind of being in my own world and having to transfer those emotions and pain through writing. The way I communicate my emotions and my pain to others is by what I create really in my art, in my writings, in the stories like that's really how I communicate it. Now, being open in that way, even, it's freedom. I mean, it's freedom. It's freedom to be mm-hmm. real and to be yourself. But it's very difficult. You can't, like, how do you, how do you come out publicly about something that can get you fired from your job, you Absolutely. know? No, I love that you talked about that. because That's something that people don't really think about too much. They think about the outer surface level problems, but you don't really think about what are the consequences of if you open up about it, you know? Oh, it's huge. And, you know, as an activist, one thing I even told myself is I encourage the 
I encourage, you know, speaking your truth in a way of speaking it to yourself. But as far as coming out publicly about your diagnosis, people are sometimes surprised because I'm like, I don't even think we should be encouraging that message because I mean, my career counselors at college before I graduated, when I told them this, they said, your chances of getting a job coming out to this extent publicly about bipolar disorder will get you cut off like chances 95%. And I knew that. So it's very, it's difficult. It's like, we're, it's like come out and it's freedom, but we're not creating a society that allows people to do that. Mm -hmm. They can't give up their job. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. And how do you deal with that mindset? How do you kind of tell yourself and talk to yourself that I cannot get out of that because that's just how society is. That's how the world is. Right. That's what I'm working on as well as other activists and advocates. I think having that mindset is what you, what you can do is that although you cannot come forward publicly, you can get involved in the community. Um, you can begin to, you know, mm -hmm. research and get active and spread awareness in your own small way um, and standing up for yourself. Um, these are things that contribute to maybe that changing. You know, you don't have to necessarily come out publicly in the way that I did. You can still be involved in the community with online social media and all of that. That's what you have to do for right now. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I think sometimes just raising awareness about this and making people see more than the surface level problem mm. is sometimes the most that you can do. So thank you so much again yeah. for raising awareness and talking about oh, this topic. Yes. So Hannah, with like that insane string of connection to raising awareness about mental health, how has that kind of given you a new way to think about mental health? And what does that tell you more about like mental illness? Because your platform talks a lot about you know, what you feel inside. You, of course, convey mm -hmm. that with your portraits, your stories, your messages, your quotes. Like, how has that given you a new way to think about mental health? It's, wow, uh, that's a great question. You're asking great questions. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's a great question. So I think the way that my ideas around mental health have changed from point to begin, like from when I started to now, which has been close to like seven years, is how severe the problem is. Um, it goes beyond. I think that, of course, I knew the problem was there in the beginning, but by sharing my art and stuff, I'm getting a lot of more of the community to be open and honest with me and seeing these things manifest over time. What I've realized, number one, is how beautiful people with mental illness are. And that's not romanticizing anything or like, I mean, glamorizing it. That's telling the absolute truth is that we're beautiful individuals. And so I really held on to that. But also like my view from an outside perspective, yeah, has become very focused on the fact that this is severe and it's a system that is built, a structure that's been built over time. And if we don't confront the issues with mental illness and all of it and discrimination, then we're not going to go anywhere in normalizing mental health. So I think that's the way that over time it has changed. 
um, as far as with my art. I mean, my community inspires me. I think um, that over time, it's it's really about empowering others and voicing, you know, what I need to hear. I have a very solid connection to the community, a genuine, very raw one. And so I think that over time has been great. And I love that because once you're putting things out there, you're not just raising awareness, you're not just connecting with the mental illness community, but you're also writing those words for yourself. Just looking back at that work sometimes can have such a great impact on what you're feeling that day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I suggest it to every anybody out there who's it doesn't you don't even have to have a mental illness. But if you're struggling, I encourage because I know how difficult it is to speak on it, even to anybody. But get those emotions out, you know, grab a piece of paper. It's not about being a writer. It's not about you don't have to be just just find a way through art, through building, through singing. Yes. Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And where do you think the stigma came from? Because it wasn't long ago that mental health issues was really, really stigmatized. I would say it's less now, but I, for a while, did struggle with opening up to people, not really knowing it, just because I thought I personally would think less of myself the more I open up to people and my potential, oh, like, yeah. if that makes sense. You know, like you never really know it in the moment, but then you tell yourself that, oh, if I talk about this topic, it just makes people seem less of me. And where do you think all of that comes from? Um, okay, so that's that's great. Um, that's really interesting because eventually I'm going to talk more on it actually soon, but this is why also when you're struggling um, with your mental health, especially if you have a mental illness, you have to start researching it in a way of looking at these mental health struggles as its own community and own borderline like culture. Because where did it start? Oh, stigma and that this whole thing started centuries ago. It started when the first when the first hospital was in place and the news put out in the newspapers that this was going to be a place that housed the dark wanderers of the street. So then that was technology. So it's been this is manifested over time. This is just rooted in in the world the way that we look at people with mental illness, the way that we look at people who are emotionally struggling, you know, because um, it's bad. And if you can look at it from an outside perspective to see the way that stigma and all of it manifested over time, you're more empowered because you see that it's not you. It's not you. Like, this is something you feel. It's the lies that we're telling ourselves. Oh, absolutely. And one thing I realized only recently is that if we never look at it, how do we ever cure it? You know, if we never research about it, how do we ever cure it? And that's when, like, our mind starts to make our own theories on why we feel a certain way, why we're reacting to situations a certain way. But is there a way that you have trained your mind to be more aware of your thoughts Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I would say so self-awareness is huge. It's being on. That you said that. That's so true. Yeah, that's brilliant because it's true. It's self-awareness is everything um, regardless, you know, but definitely if you have mental illness, because this is why. Right. 
you have to build a relationship with yourself, a trusting one. Like we tend to distrust our intuition because we're told that we're insane. You know, like we always question mm-hmm. ourselves. So I think self-awareness and bringing the way that I do it is I literally talk, I mean, not talk to myself, like, <laughs> but I do. I speak out loud kind of the realities of the situation. I talk to myself. I'm not trying to fix myself, but I say like, okay, Hannah, you feel this way, but you know, like you're, you're fine. Even at your lowest, you're still okay. And building that relationship with yourself is huge. So you can become self-aware, you know, as cliche as it sounds, you are literally your biggest cheerleader. Whenever you're feeling low, when you do have those moments, you need to get yourself out of it. You need to give yourself those positive affirmations that you can use, but you need to know that at the end of it, you have yourself, you are your biggest best friend. Exactly. In my book, I wrote a chapter is called My Own Best Friend is Me. And it's about the fact that how do you like if your friend, right? So if your best friend was in a situation, was depressed, was not feeling well, was really anxious with something, you would go up to her and would you say to her, oh, you know, like you're weak, you're you need you need to get it together. Like what's wrong with you? No. You would probably go up and say, it's okay, you're fine, you're beautiful, you're loved. But why can't we do that with ourselves? We have to do that with ourselves. No, and I love that. And for some people, I feel that is not possible. Like, even though they try, they spend a lot of time trying to build that relationship with themselves. They're not necessarily at that stage yet, which is why most people with anxiety, they go to a therapist Mm -hmm. and they talk about what's going on. But I know for a fact, there are just so many Mm -hmm. of my friends and just so many people I've met who have considered the idea, but aren't 100% sure yet. To them, it's more like, if I can share this problem with my friends or with my family, then I am okay. I can still start it out. Now, do you think that still works? And why would you kind of recommend a therapist sooner than later? Definitely, definitely. No, no. First of all, it's not your friends and your partner or your family's responsibility to fix whatever it is. Not to fix, because I don't believe in us trying to fix ourselves, but to fill whatever void is going on inside of you. There are incredible professionals out there. That's their job and they can help from an outside perspective. Your friends, your family are biased, okay? They are, it's difficult for them to be honest with a person that they love about something as as intense as mental health. And we can put pressure on them filling any void within us or what's going on. They're not doctors. And so if those resources are available to you, consider yourself very lucky and please utilize them. Absolutely, therapy. Yes, it's hard. I'm so glad we're actually focusing on this topic because that's what I'm saying. I can talk for this generation and most of my friends, like when I say it to them, it's more like if I go to see a therapist, I have something wrong with me, you know, quote unquote, there's something wrong with me to be seeing a therapist. And what I'm trying to like get at here and like this conversation is that there's no wrong time, reason or explanation to see a therapist, you know? 
No, no. And, and listen, like you've got to find your right. No, of course there's nothing wrong with you. Of course not. Emotions are what make us human. You're in, in college age, right? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't know how to (laughs) college age, whatever that means. Um, oh my gosh, I'm getting old. No, just get it. Um, I want, I think an important thing to remind especially is that this is the age between, uh, I would have to look it up, so, but I'm pretty sure this is close to it. It's between 18 and 24 that your mental health, especially if you have mental illness, starts to surface hardcore. And so if you feel that way, there's nothing wrong with you unless you see, if, unless you believe that there is something wrong with like it. Like what you said, you don't have anything that has to be fixed, you know? No, no, not at all. It makes you beautiful in many ways. Your insecurities, like respect yourself, respect them. And, and going to get treatment is exactly that. It's going to get treatment. And trust me, I know how hard therapy is. I struggle right now to go to it. But a part of that reason is because I was involuntarily committed to a hospital. And so there's, you know, my own dilemmas and my own personal things. But in no way, like everybody should have a therapist, especially at y'all's age in that area. I love that. And I'd actually love to know that now that we're talking about seeing a therapist, how important is it for you to kind of master your mind when it comes to mental health? Even though you're seeing a therapist, you're not seeing a therapist, how can we be in that different state of mind? I know for me, I'm in a different state of mind when I have conversations with people. I open up Mm -hmm. to people. And I also know many people do talk about being more conscious being the present to kind of be in that different state of mind but what has what is something that has worked for you personally you know so that's been difficult for me as well and I agree with everything you're saying I think that being present is one thing I have learned I also in the last year because I had like you know ups and downs more so like with my own mental health which happens you know whatever I live on a roller coaster those are just facts is connecting in Mm -hmm. more like of a spiritual way. Not in the sense of like, I believe things can just come to me or anything, but just kind of getting back into being grateful and taking time out of the day to just kind of sit and be present. And then also one thing that I have found is um, dialectal behavioral therapy. I've never really been into these type of, you know, like it's been hard for me to connect with these, but these types of that type of therapy, I've actually found pretty helpful. And trust me, it's pretty hard to crack me. It's really hard to crack me. I think the biggest thing that has helped me in that is distractions. Oh yeah. Telling yourself the opposite. Yeah. Creating a distractions list, like not in an unhealthy way, But when you start to become so overwhelmed, you kind of take yourself back by having a list of distractions. That's what's helped me. I don't know. Does that help you? Like, what did you say? What what helps you the most? I think for me, what I recently started was just kind of writing my thoughts down. I feel like writing is not for Mm -hmm. everyone, but... At first, I used to just literally have voice notes in my phone, talking to myself about, you know, how I was feeling the day and what was bothering me the most, literally. 
That's awesome. Because sometimes I feel like for me personally, I just love talking to people. I love having conversations. I just love connecting yeah. with people. And I feel like for the longest time, voice notes was my go-to. Like, no joke. Voice notes was the I best thing ever. That. And now I'm like, you know what? In the morning, I feel like just because like voice notes gives me like that distraction to go on my phone. So I just tell myself that I need to leave that right now and maybe switch and try journaling maybe. I don't like the word journaling too much, but I like to like just write down my thoughts on paper, you know? Yes, I love that. I love everything you're saying. I love the voice notes. It's so true. The best conversation you can have is the one with yourself. My mother too. I love that. And the impact I've seen, like the difference I've seen in my moods and just how I am with people, it's crazy because that way you just know when to kind of pause and breathe, you know, when to not just lash out on other people. Yep. Yep. Self-awareness. Very cool. Very cool. Literally. And oh my God, talking about self-awareness, you did talk a lot about self-awareness, self-acceptance, and that you are your biggest role model in your new book, which is The Truth About Broken. So tell me more about that. Tell me what kind of led you to that mindset and how we as individuals can kind of stop that mindset when we feel like we're pressured to living according to others and what others put on social media and what others are doing. Like, how can we stop that mindset, you know? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah, self-awareness, especially with uh, social media. And by the way, like I go through this too. So that's why I know it happens right? <laughs> it, when you're on, because a lot of my, I don't want to call it my job, but where I am is Instagram. But you have to be aware if you're going on and when you get off, you feel insecure, like be honest with yourself. We all know it happens. The girl Mm -hmm. or guy didn't message you back. Someone didn't like your post or you didn't get enough. Like it's, it's all that we do. That's when, you know, you just have to take little steps back. Like I'm only going to go on it once a day, stuff like that. So self-awareness and then listen, like, the thing is, you came into this world to live your your own life in your own path. When you feel it in your heart, whatever it is you want to do, and trust me, I was playing a persona so long in my life, like only up until like even a couple of years ago and even still now. But your heart always tells you where it is you go, what it is you know, like it it can lead you in. The other thing is those experiences that you may be ashamed of the pain that you might be feeling, whatever it is you've been built, like happen, we break and rebuild simultaneously. So those things have the power to shape you into this incredible raw, real person that's doing something they love. So follow your own path. You can do it. Like you feel it in you. You can mold whatever it is you want by being yourself, you know, don't, don't live by other people's blueprint because it won't build the house that you want and you'll never be. I love that. I love that. And actually that relates so much to just the student life because from my time at university, I've just seen that people are always comparing themselves to others. It's not that they choose to do it. It just happens naturally, you know, and you're like, Oh wait, what university are they going to? What are their grades and what jobs do they have? What clubs are they in? You know, things like that. And as you said, like everyone has a different path and they're not going to make your house for you. And I think that also goes with the saying that at the end of it, it all works out for you and not against you. Yes, it does. It does. You know, like 
You are your own unique, amazing person. Don't be afraid to expose that to the world. And people, some people won't like it, but good, because they're not the people that should be in your life. You Literally. Know? Now that we're actually talking about people just being really influenced by other people's success and all of that, I know sometimes people won't necessarily have a mental illness, but again, they'll be surrounded with mental illness throughout their mm-hmm. family, their friend group. And so according to you, how can we as individuals kind of approach such a situation? Yeah. Okay. So this is a great question. It's important to talk about because I think that a lot of people, there are these guidelines we have to what we're supposed to do. Sit down with the person. It's like you look and you have like a list of the same thing. Sit down with the person and and you know comfort them and of course that's a huge part but i think one part that we don't talk about is is like the part where you're just entering it as you're not putting pity or sympathy on the person you're getting active with them in it meaning when you live with mental illness this is just a fact we nobody that doesn't live with it is going to truly comprehend what it is period point blank and that's fine but they need to be active with their peers online on blogs all of the social media accounts that talk about mental health if you have or know somebody what i think is huge is to start sending them blogs and you know, quotes and social media accounts. Hey, I found this writer that talks about bipolar or activist or these accounts, this therapist. Start following because then you're engaging with them in a sense of community. Like I've got your back. We'll figure this out versus like, I don't like it. If I feel that you're pitying me or something, um, I reject it. So I think that is a part of support that we should talk about as well. Exactly. It's like looking for those accounts and setting them up. And they're interesting. These are interesting. They'll benefit everybody getting involved in learning about mental health. Oh, definitely. And I feel this was so amazing to hear because I am just so unsure about what to do in such a situation. Maybe, you know, you have those constant thoughts. Maybe mm. reach out to them, be there for them. Or maybe send them positivity quotes, you know, something that can help them just uplift them. And I think this, definitely hearing this from you, I think it's just something that everyone can start to implement. And again, build that sense of community and just kind of being there for someone and then actually being there for them. Yeah, they're amazing people, right? They wouldn't be your friend or whatever if they weren't. And the thing is, is like, remind them they don't need to be fixed but finding you know that they're still light even in the dark that's what we really need to know we feel like we've turned into these different people of course and hannah so being a mental illness activist do you have habits or routines so something that us listeners can actually start implementing as well Oh yeah. So I think like, I love yoga. I love yoga and, um, you know, trying to take time obviously daily to be centered, having a healthy, you know, like whatever it is, but trying your best at least to like fill your body with good foods and stuff like that. And then to fulfill your, your purpose and to get into that on a daily Take time for yourself to do something that you yourself are really passionate about, whatever it is, just one step in that direction. You know, whether it be looking something up, 
whether it be writing a vision board, whether it be doing something like contribute time to yourself to completely be yourself and, um, you know, do whatever you want to do, do whatever you want to do. And I also want to say that I actually tried meditation for the longest time, but for some reason, it just didn't work out with my routine. And I kind of wanted to say that just because people on social media are doing it, or you just read a lot about it, and just how your favorite influencer is doing it, it doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily work for you you know no. i think at the end of it finding something that no, I, you know works for you is the best thing that you can do exactly oh you got to make your own routine. Yes. we have too many like coping skills that are like this is the law and the thing is i can't meditate you know like that's exactly right like i can take time like i guess my form of meditation is reading during the day, like sitting and turning off all of my technology and just sitting and reading. So it it goes to who you are. Yeah, and for me, that is literally blasting music and working out. Like, it's just so different for everyone. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Yeah, dancing is huge. No, of course. And I think that's the beauty of it because it looks different for everyone. And sometimes I tried bringing Mm -hmm. my friends along to the gym and just working out and blasting music, but it didn't work out for them. And that's fine. Yes, exactly. That's that's incredible. That's how you find what works for you. Exactly. And oh my God, Hannah, so you've done so many posts on growth and just finding your true worth. I think this is a very important topic to talk about. But what is your advice to people who feel overwhelmed or just don't know where to start and just simply feel lost in their journey? I think reading and the first step is getting active and reading and consuming knowledge number one about the fact that you're not the only person that that feels like this okay so like for an example where i truly learned to love myself as an individual with mental illness where we can say we i found my worth was when i saw other people who were diagnosed with mental illness, but were beautiful individuals that were the opposite of what I thought. And I love them. So they became my reflection, you know, because you're always going to battle yourself. But, you know, if you can get and feel not alone, that I think is the huge first step to saying, okay, wait a minute. Like I can embrace myself. I can become secure in the fact that I'm insecure in many ways. We're spending too much time trying to fix ourselves. We live in this society that you're never good enough. You can always be more and successful and you know, this, and it's like, that's impossible. Why can't we like embrace what makes us broken in many ways? Because it's a beautiful thing. I think that's mm-hmm. where your self-worth and self-love should be come That's from. something that I found myself feeling for like the longest time of my life. Like I was, of course, I was at Berkeley, right? And at Berkeley, yeah. for some reason, I was like, you know what? I'm not happy with where I am right now. Like some instances, you just have those moods, right? And you're like, wait, I'm not happy with what I have, even though I could not be more grateful at the time for what I had. And now when I'm back home in my hometown in Nigeria, I'm like, wait, I'm still not satisfied with everything I have. It's more like your mind constantly tells you you're not satisfied. You're not satisfied. I need more. I need more. And 
that it's it's fine oh, to feel yeah. like that but again you need to take responsibility for that as well oh absolutely you have to you have to listen there's only one person that can save you off the edge truly and that person is you is you you have your best friend everything you've got a number one build a connection with yourself not when you think you're perfect because that will never happen mm-hmm. Even at your lowest, you have to be, you have to be your own best friend. You have to be the person that has your Definitely. Back. Definitely. Okay, Hannah. So to wrap it up, I actually want to ask yeah. you a few fun questions. It's just my oh way my of saying goodbye. Are you ready? <laughs> Perfect. Yes. What's the first thing you thought of this morning? The cookie, the cookies and cream Hershey bar that I had in my freezer. Oh, wow. Who's one person you'd love to have coffee with right now? Uh, Charles Bukowski. What song pumps you up the most at the gym? Oh, outro by, I forget who it is. It's like this cinematic song. It's like, I feel like I'm in a movie. <laughs> I forget who it's Diamonds or pearls? Pearls. What's your favorite fashion trend at the moment? Ooh, I love high-waisted um, skirts. I don't Ooh. know. I love, yeah, I love high-waisted skirts. That's, yeah. And what's one thing you're grateful for today? Oh my gosh. Um, my, my home, I mean, so many things, so many things. Um, my family, actually. My oh, family. that's cute. That's cute. Yeah, I truly am. Yeah, I'm very blessed. Well, this was it for this episode. Thank you so much for talking yeah. to us today, Hannah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. This was amazing. And I'm sending love to every single person out there. And no, you're not alone. So if you just want to go ahead and drop in your social media and where people can find you. Oh, of course. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Hannah D. Bloom, H-A-N-N-A-H-D-B-L-U-M. Um, you can find me at halfwaytohanna.com. That's my blog. It's going to be renovated. And yeah, uh, that's where you can definitely, yeah, you can find this me This is there. it, guys. Make sure to follow the Let's Talk pod on Instagram for regular updates. Everything will be linked in the show notes. As always, remember to open up, share, and connect. I will talk to you guys in my next episode. See ya.